what did you think Christians were like when you were... Um... Boring! <laughs> I did. Sorry, Aaron's former friends who are... are no, they were cool people. I just thought following Jesus would be boring. Oh. It didn't seem real exciting. Yeah. I thought it was restrictive. They weren't pushy about it. Hmm. But they also weren't super inviting. So maybe it's because they... Maybe. They were in high school. Maybe. Or maybe it's because they didn't think I'd be interested. Or you wouldn't really fit in. Or I wouldn't fit in. Yeah. Which could be. Because you didn't be in Maybe they thought that I already had my own beliefs and like they didn't want to mess with that. Which, maybe. you know, yeah. sure. But if you've got this really good glass of wine, wouldn't you want to share it? Oh. <laughs> wouldn't Wait, you want to share is, it with the world? hypothetical? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Together for Salem. I'm Monica, Aaron, my husband. You are in our basement. Welcome to our house. Welcome to Cross Creek Community Church's Together for Salem episodes. We're so glad you decided to watch. Uh, as a church in Salem, Oregon, we don't meet every week. I know, it's crazy. We do this instead. So you can listen on the podcast, you can watch on YouTube. Sub podcasters. Sub podcasters. I stayed quiet as long as I could. I know, I you did good. Uh, but this is our way of all being on the same page as a church family, and also inviting other people in to discover, enjoy, and share the life Jesus offers. That's right. Together for Salem. You're welcome. So. To join us. Uh, we're glad that you're checking this out. We hope you can stay until the end. We'll come back on the other end. Mm -hmm. um, but John's gonna do part two of the series called Rethink. Rethink. So rethinking Christianity, what it means to follow Jesus. 20 more seconds on okay. the clock. 20, Don't, I'm getting nervous. Um, so, we are going to pass it to John, but first fill out the welcome form. If you're new, we'd love to know that you're checking 24. things out, that you're here, um, that you're um, saying hi to us. Um, we can say hi back to you. There's lots of options on that form, including joining a group, starting an alliance, getting a gift card or a Bible. And we'll see you at the end. Question. If you had to guess, what would you say Christians are usually viewed as? I think if we are honest, we'd probably say maybe angry and judgmental. This episode isn't about that. In fact, that'll be parts four and five of this series. But if Christians aren't seen as that at best, right? You, if they're not one of those angry, judgmental Christians, how do most people view Christians? I would say at best, you know, maybe a little boring, a bit dull, maybe uninteresting. See, I think for a lot of people, following Jesus often seems as interesting as doing our taxes. And I know there's those weirdos out there who like to do their taxes, but most people aren't like you. Many people think that it's just just this kind of they'd much rather do taxes. They think that to have to to follow Jesus, you have to give up basically everything we like and become the bland version of what we used to be. But don't worry, because Christian culture has made it okay. Like we give you safe versions of the things you used to like, right? Oh, you're into music. Well, here's some Christian music that kind of sounds like what you used to like. Oh, you like wearing t-shirts. You're, you know, you're casual and hip. Well, here's some t-shirts with some Christian messages. Or you like movies or books. Well, here's, you know, Christian kind of versions of those things you used to like. 
Oh, you like beer? You're a sinner. But wine's okay because Jesus drank wine, right? Well, unless it was like unfermented grape juice, which didn't really exist, and we'll get into that in a minute. But what has happened is that this, there's been this unintentional message sent that to be a good Christian, you have to become a dull, one-dimensional, passive-aggressive church lady. It's Christianity becomes something you do around people that are in the same subculture as you, but definitely not something you would want to invite others to be a part of. Now, what is interesting is that's not at all how Jesus and his first followers were viewed. See, people were actually jealous and upset that Jesus didn't join their established religious subculture. In fact, it's part of what got him killed. And so maybe we need to rethink how following Jesus in the 21st century actually looks. Maybe we need to look at what it was like to follow him in the first century. And when we do that, I think we'll discover that following Jesus is a full life to enjoy, not a pious lifestyle to endure. And we totally see this. <laughs> totally see this. And we see this in what we call the book or the gospel of Luke. Luke was an ancient historian who was a friend of the Apostle Paul. And he went around and interviewed eyewitnesses of Jesus' life, the people who actually hung out with Jesus. And he wrote it down in a historical account that we call the Gospel of Luke. And in this account, we see how Jesus really didn't follow the, the norm of the pious religious lifestyle. One day, some people said to Jesus, John the Baptist's disciples fast and pray regularly, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees. Why are your disciples always eating and drinking? I like that word, always, right? But, uh-oh, we've got a problem. Jesus and his followers are having too much fun. And so, as might usually happen, the religious people need to put a stop to it. Why is this a problem? Why this whole fasting and praying focus thing? Well, a little bit of historical context here, maybe. See, in the Jewish religious law, there was only one required fast of giving up food for a period of time a year. It was on what is called the Day of Atonement. Maybe you've heard it as Yom Kippur. This is when the, the high priest of Israel would go into the, the most holy place of the Jewish temple where the Ark of the Covenant was and offer sacrifices for all of Israel's sins. And then part of the uh, observing of the festival was that they would send a goat into the wilderness, where we get our word scapegoat, as a representation of the sins of the people being carried away into the wilderness, that these sacrifices were accepted and, and their sins are being carried away from them. And part of the observance of that festival was a fast as a sign of mourning. that They are mourning over their sinful nature and that they need these sins to be cleansed from them. And so the Pharisees, the religious elite of Jesus' times, thought, hey, like if, think about it, if God commands a fast only once a year, well, then we would be like incredibly way more holy if we fasted twice a week. And then John the Baptist, who was preparing the way for the Jewish Messiah, he was leading, his role was to lead people to repent for their sins, to be ready for the Messiah. He was having people fast as a repentance, as mourning their sin, to be ready for the Messiah to come. 
And then both these groups, in order to make sure that their followers actually said their prayers, they had them pray at fixed times with maybe uh, ritualistic prayers of, here, pray these words at this time of day each day so that they make sure that you are praying and, you know, being holy enough. Thing is, Jesus didn't have his disciples do any of that. I mean, yes, they prayed, but it wasn't ritualistic. It was just simply part of their life. In fact, the disciples, Jesus' disciples, asked him for a ritual prayer, and so he gave them what was actually a kind of, uh, in terms of their religion, kind of an easygoing, little too comfortable prayer called what we call the Lord's Prayer, where he calls Heavenly God our Father. And, of course, we've taken that prayer and turned it into a ritual. And so people come and ask Jesus, Look, all these people have to follow all these religious rules. Why aren't your followers as, as holy or as self-depriving as the Pharisees and John the Baptist's disciples? See, Jesus' lack of religious piety offended the religious people around him. And so, maybe it's easy to do this, maybe not, but put yourself in the shoes of the disciples. How are they feeling when they hear these people come and, and ask Jesus, well, why aren't your guys you know, as holy and pious as everybody else? Probably feel judged, right? Maybe they're thinking, oh gosh, you know what? Maybe like this has been fun, but maybe they're right. Like, isn't Jesus supposed to be like the Messiah or even the, the son of God? Shouldn't we be doing more churchy, sorry, synagogue-y things? Like if they fast twice a week and we're following the guy, the Messiah, shouldn't we like out-holy them by doing a fast at least three times a week? See, have you ever felt guilty or intimidated by someone because you're not as religious or as holy as them? See, here's the cool thing. Jesus refuses to allow his disciples to feel that forced guilt even for a minute. Here's his answer. Jesus responded, do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. So think about it. A wedding reception is a party. And in those days, it was a community event that lasted for you know at least a week. They're celebrating the love and, and the new life the couple is embarking on. So how weird would it be? How inappropriate or even offensive would it be for guests at a wedding reception to act like they're mourning. Does anybody object? Yes, and we're completely in mourning over it now. Or to refuse to eat and drink at the wedding reception. I mean, shoot, most of us get a little annoyed when there isn't an open bar or there's small portions at a wedding reception, right? And Jesus is saying, look, a new era has arrived. A new relationship between humanity and God is here. I have come to eliminate guilt. I have come to bring a true, lasting, and eternal forgiveness. I am here to bring new life, full life, joy, actual celebration. So why would my disciples, my followers, mourn and, and deprive themselves as if they're, they're guilty? I'm here! Like the, the one, the person that all these ancient and Jewish re religious rituals pointed to is finally here. Following me isn't about being in mourning. It's about like being at a wedding party, a joyful existence of celebrating life and love. See, Jesus describes following him as attending the best wedding reception in history. 
Like a wedding reception, even introverts couldn't help but enjoy. And maybe you're a Christian right now and you're watching this and you, does that sound, does that feel a little offensive for some reason? Maybe, maybe I sound a little sacrilegious. Like maybe I'm taking this too far. All I did was explain what Jesus said, right? So why does it feel like it's a little too far, a little offensive or sacrilegious? Let's think about that and keep seeing what Jesus says. But someday the groom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. Jesus says, there will be a day, a new day of atonement when my disciples will fast out of grief, out of actual mourning. See, he says, when I'm taken away from them, when the groom is taken away from them, and that word really has this essence of a forcible taken away, meaning Jesus is talking about when he is killed, when he is sacrificed as that last atonement sacrifice, his disciples will fast then because he will be dead for three days and they won't know he's coming back to life and they will be in mourning. See, he's already predicting his death in this passage. And at that moment, mourning will be appropriate for that day of atonement. See, what the people around Jesus didn't understand was that he wasn't just purifying Jewish religion. He wasn't just making a new human religion. He was bringing something entirely new. Something that this pious, religious, mournful practice and thinking would not fit with. Jesus brought something completely different from religion as we know it. And then he takes it a step further. Then Jesus gave them this illustration. No one tears a piece of cloth from a new garment and uses it to patch an old garment. For, the new, for then, the new garment would be ruined, and the new patch wouldn't even match the old garment. Saying, like, what, what you're thinking of as honoring God doesn't actually fit with what has come. What I am doing is new. What you do, what you're trying to do with this morning and this fasting and these ritual prayers, they're not getting you any closer to God. In fact, God is here, Jesus is saying. So join us and enjoy. Jesus brought God to us so we don't have to work our way to God. And Jesus is saying, if you try to put these two things together, the old way of trying to reach God and this new way of God is already here wanting a relationship with you, it'll ruin both. It'll be like tearing new clothing to patch old clothing. The, the new clothes will be ruined and the old one will look stupid now. In fact, Paul kind of says the same thing in Galatians, if you want to read that account. And in, in other accounts of, of Jesus' speech here and in the other Gospels, he actually talks about, about this new patch being unshrunk. And so when it, when it gets sewn onto the old clothes, it, it actually tears away, meaning that the old and the new are completely incompatible. And in case they still aren't catching what Jesus is getting at, and no one puts new wine into old wineskins. For the new wine would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be stored in new wineskins. Little wine lesson for you. After, back in the day, after the main fermentation was done, right, which starts in those days right after the grapes are squeezed. So there's really no such thing as unfermented grape juice. The wine was put into jars or wineskins. So the main fermentation process is over. The wine is now put into jars 
or wineskins, which were animal skins made to hold liquid. And even though the main fermentation process was done, it would still keep fermenting a little bit. And so it would release a little bit of gases and whatnot. And so you would need to use new wineskins that were still able to stretch to hold those gases. Because if you used skin that was used before, that has already been stretched and couldn't stretch anymore, they would burst, right? And it would ruin both the skin and the tasty, tasty wine. And Jesus is saying, why use old ways of relating to God, like these fasts and these ritualistic prayers, to contain a new, the new relationship that I'm bringing? You're trying to put the new way in the confines of the old, and it just doesn't work. You can't view what's happening through me with your old religious lens. Your dreary religion and its practices can't contain the new life that I am offering. The problem is, not everyone likes the new. But no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. The old is just fine, they say. See, many people prefer the old ways. They say, ah, you know, Jesus' way sounds a little loosey-goosey, kind of hippie love thing. And uh, what I'm doing, this is fine. This is safe. Like, I'm used to this. This is what I grew up with. Nah, Jesus, that's cool. We like the old way because it's easier. If you think about it, right? We, we can measure ourselves and point out where we're doing better and where those others are doing worse than me. It feels easier and better this way. Which is why we still see people trying to do a dreary, dry, boring religion. It's safer. It allows us to put people into categories of who's in and who's out. And what's interesting is we're usually in, right? And it lets us be in control of how holy we are. Or at least it lets us you know, feel like we're in control of how holy we are. But following Jesus is living a life of true freedom and joy. It's not about self-inflicted, dreary sacrifice in order to be holier for God or, or get something from Him, to get attention from Him or get our prayers answered by Him. In fact, Andy Stanley says, if your version of Christianity doesn't make you feel free, you're doing it wrong. Because that's not what Jesus came to bring. He came to bring something entirely new. And so with all of that, you might have some questions. And so those are good questions. Ask away. So John, you might be asking, what you're saying is that following Jesus means we can do whatever we want? <laughs> no, it is so much better than that. In fact, Paul wrote in Galatians, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Being free in Jesus means you are free to be loved and to love. You are free from having to perform, from having to put on a certain persona, from having to beat yourself up for not meeting a certain standard. You're free to be loved by God just for who you are and then to share that love with others. So maybe you have another question. John, so, so are you saying that Christians have to always pretend to be happy? No, sounds horrible. That doesn't sound like freedom, does it? And so two things. First, mental health challenges and depression are real. They afflict Jesus followers just like they afflict non-Jesus followers, just like the flu affects both groups of people. And second, mourning, like real mourning 
is healthy. It's good for us. In fact, we're, we're told to mourn with those who mourn. When we're sad, we don't need to pretend we aren't. We need to allow ourselves to mourn. But the difference is for a Jesus follower is that there is hope. There is a joy that isn't based on our circumstances. In our mourning and even in our depression, there is a hope based on the truth that things won't always be this way. Maybe in this life they will be, but in the eternity to come, in the scheme of all eternity, these things are actually temporary. And so one final question. Maybe you're asking, John, so you're saying Christians don't need to or shouldn't fast. Well, that's a good question. And I'll let you and Jesus work that one out. But what I am saying in all of this is that following Jesus is not about following a dreary dull religion. Following Jesus is a is the freedom to live a life of love and joy. And so what do we do? How do we kind of start rethinking this idea of following Jesus as a life of of joy and freedom and love? I have a few recommendations. First of all, I would challenge you, I would challenge is always harsh. I would encourage you to read Galatians 5. Because this passage really talks about the freedom we can have in Jesus. And he's talking about circumcision. I know that can be weird and whatnot. When you see the word circumcision in this, just think the religious rules and rituals that we try to use to make us holy for God, right? So read Galatians 5. And then, as you're reading or after you read, rethink. If you're a Jesus follower, ask, have I been living a religious lifestyle or freely following Jesus? Is my... Jesus following about being a Christian about a religious lifestyle or actually freely following Jesus. Because nothing will make you holier or more acceptable to God. Nothing you do will do that. Jesus has already done all of that for us by dying and rising again. So does your devotion to Jesus make you more loving, joyful, peaceful, gentle, kind, and self-controlled? Or not? Do you feel free to love, especially those who aren't always loved by the religious organizations? Or do you tend to judge yourself and others based on performance measures? And maybe you don't call yourself a Jesus follower yet. I think you can still rethink what following Jesus is because I don't think it is maybe what you thought it was. And so ask this question. You're totally safe to ask this. Nobody even knows you're asking yourself this question, but ask, What would following this Jesus that that I'm talking about, what would following this Jesus, the real Jesus, cause me to actually lose? And then, what would I gain from following this Jesus? And then maybe even make a list. Keep it safe so nobody knows you're doing it. But make a list. What would I lose? And what would I gain from following a Jesus who frees me to feel, to be loved, and to love others with that love? Because following Jesus does require change, but it might be different than what you think. See, following Jesus in the 21st century isn't what many of us think it is. We aren't asked to piously deprive ourselves from enjoying life. It's not always easy, and it might actually kill you in the end, but following Jesus allows us to truly and fully enjoy life on a level never before imagined. So I invite you to discover what this life is like, to enjoy it and share it with others together.
I learned a lot about wine in that episode, which is kind of cool, mm -hmm. and how they made wine back in the first century. Wine skins. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but also, obviously, there's more meaning there. Yeah. So. There always is another level. Especially with Jesus. Yeah. So hopefully that gave you something to think about, rethink about, um, as you're exploring what it means to follow Jesus in the 21st century. We do have discussion questions for you um, that come at the end of this uh, quick snippet here. We encourage you to check those out. Even if you don't answer them out loud with anybody, just read them and think about them. Mm -hmm. Maybe do them, I don't know, or talk about them in your connect group. That's so, right. But John challenged us yeah. with reading Galatians 5, yep, and asking ourselves a couple questions. Have I been living a religious lifestyle or freely following Jesus? Hmm. What would following this Jesus, the real Jesus, cause me to lose? What would I gain? Also, what do you drive on the parkway and park on the driveway? That makes no sense. And obviously, they can be questions that you write or ask out loud to yourself. Hmm. Um, but you can also just think them to yourself and pray about it. So we encourage you to do that. It's one thing to watch a video or listen to a podcast. It's another thing to take it to the next level. It is. And one way you can take this to the next level is, as we mentioned earlier, filling out the welcome form. You can join a connect group. We have groups meeting throughout the summer, mm -hmm. um, in person, some of them outside. Mm -hmm. um, which so, is lovely. You may or may not be able to see that. Yeah, which is lovely. We have a couple people who I think zoom into groups. Mm -hmm. um, so whatever your level of comfort is, we're here for you. You just need to let us know that you're watching using the welcome form. Yep. Giveaway time. Who won Gilgamesh? That's what I want to know. Gilgamesh is the giveaway we did this week. And it's a yes. brewery. There's a few locations, two of them in Salem. Amazing place. Check it out. Yep. And our winner is... Kevin G. Kevin G. Kevin G. You got a little robot dance yeah, on that so one. I have no idea. Okay. You just never know. Kevin G. Thanks for entering. Yep. Um, I think somebody tagged Kevin and then Kevin responded. It was kind of oh, cool. It was excellent. a sweet little thing going yeah. on on Instagram. So you can enter to win these giveaways um, every week. You can do it via social media or you can just email us. If you're not on socials and you're like, I want to win the giveaway, mm -hmm. you can do that. And this week's giveaway is to Donatello's. Oh, really? Donatello's Pizza. Mm. Yeah. They have salads too, if you're not into the pizza thing. And they have gluten-free crust. You can get both. So Donatello's is our giveaway. Check out social media this week. Enter to win mm -hmm. $25 to Donatello's Pizza. Attached to Donatello's is Ollie's Arcade Games. Yeah. I can't remember what it's called, Ollie's. But it's got arcade games, so great place to take the family. You go back there and see what games they have. Yep, and then for dessert, you can head next door to On Any Sunday. It's like a They're whole event great. right there. Right there on Commercial Street in San Juan. Four Oregon. words for you, Choco Taco. Oh, but we're talking about Donatello's. Donatello's. Yeah. So enter to win. That's our giveaway. Our announcement is we have a gathering party jamboree. That's John right. enjoys calling them jamborees now. It's on the 27th. 27th. Of June. Yes, it's going to be at... Um, Gateway Community Church. They're letting us use their area, 922 Hilo Road. So check out the website for more information on that. Hey, June, you want to go to the party with me? I will be there. Okay. June 27th, 4.30. It's a great way to connect, meet people, maybe you've been watching and you haven't met anybody. We'll be there. Yeah, you can meet us. Come find us. We'll say we'll hi. We'll say hi. You can act like you have seen us before because yeah, you be see like, us hey, here or listening here. Yeah. But come say hi. It's yep. going to be a few songs. We're not going to do um, a message or a, a pastor talking because that's what this is. It's just really a time to hang out, play some yard games. There's a playground for the kids. There's going to be dinner. Mm -hmm. um, few songs. I said that already. Yep. Check it out. Yep. And that's it from us. So happy summer. Yeah. 
Summertime. Yep. Kids are out of school, summertime, so congrats. Summertime, sum, sum, summertime, summertime. And we'll be seeing you next week. That's right. For part three of Rethink. Which comes after part two. It's three next. Yeah. We should hide my credit card somewhere. One week, and then the other week, hide it backwards and see if anybody catches on. Let's not. <laughs> Ready? Let's turn and go like this. No, turn. Turn. Turn around and go like this. Ready? Yesterday I had this amazing or really okay, stupid idea on, of what if I just write down my main points, but then everything else I just kind of draw.